Welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. Welcome to the first real episode of Bloombox Growing Deeper. We're so excited to have you back with us. Yes, thank you for joining. All right, so this episode we're going to cover a little bit more about ourselves, our personal gardening backgrounds, what got us interested, why we wanted to come and work for NSA. So Sarah, I want you to start okay. if you can. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your childhood. Go deep. Okay. You know, We're growing start deeper. With birth. <laughs> no. Well, I was born in Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so I was born in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. I went to St. John's Elementary School on uh, the east side of town, which at the time was literally the east side of town. Right. So um, I lived in the city, but I I spent my afternoons playing in a cornfield. Right, because it was so, the very edge. It was literally the very edge. Lincoln so, has grown a lot. Yeah, so that was kind of a unique way to grow up, um, living in an actual city, the capital of Nebraska, but I didn't feel like I lived in the middle of the city. And for those of you who are questioning, is Lincoln a city? It absolutely is. Okay, guys, we got like over a quarter of a million people so don't <laughs> don't try to call us not a city it is a city it may be one of only two that we have in nebraska but that's okay but it's still a city um yeah and then in my backyard we had a reservoir which for those of you who don't know what that is it's an underground water storage for the city so to me as a child it looked like a big grassy hill that wasn't developed uh-huh. and we pretended it was our prairie of course so we often went on pioneering expeditions oh my gosh a little a little house on the prairie yes we, oh, we played oh. little house on the prairie we looked for wildflowers which were probably clovers and dandelions of course yeah that's wildflower but i i loved that and I spent, you know, countless summer days out there exploring. So I got to grow up in the city with all of the fun things to do, but I had access to green space. In fact, I had forced access to green space. <laughs> Go outside. <laughs> yes. I, yeah. um, I'm the oldest of eight kids, so there was much forced green space enjoyment. Right. When I was going to start fifth grade, we moved to Iowa. And then I did get to live in the country right. for real. We lived right you next throw to some shade at Iowa. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I came back. <Yes. laughs> um, we lived next to Red Rock Lake, which is an enormous lake that in Iowa. It's beautiful. Though. It is beautiful. On the Des Moines River, we played in the creek, we played in the lake, we went yes. fishing and canoeing. And so I don't know when I didn't love being outside. But I tried many times to plant a garden. Uh It was almost never successful. Part of the problem is because you need to remember to take care of it. And when you're 12, you don't do that well. That's accurate. Yes. Yes. I did grow and eat a carrot once. Yes. As a child, it was delicious. All right. I think, in fact, I ran across the street to show it to our neighbor (laughs) who did garden. Those gardening mentors, they're important. They are really important. Um, I still remember her and think about her beautiful yard and yes. and how much I wanted to be like her. Oh, and yeah. now you are. And now I am. So we'll skip over yep. a few years. So then you came here to the university, yes. right? Yes. So I came back to the University of Nebraska to study. Um, actually, I came back to study environmental restoration science. Is that a th- still a thing? That's still a thing. Okay. I loved it. But I was going to need probably a doctorate. 
and was probably not going to have a job in Nebraska. What it is, is pollution remediation. Okay. So it's all water science, a lot of soil science, and a brief bit on plant science. Right. And I realized I really wanted to learn more about the plant science. Mm -hmm. So I switched majors to production horticulture. Awesome. So what is production? Yeah. So we have the horticulture department at UNL and their focus areas have changed since I graduated. But at the time you could study landscape design. Mm -hmm. You could study plant science, which was, you know, kind of the entry program for a master's in breeding and genetics. Or you could study production, which was growing fruits, vegetables, bedding plants, greenhouse work. We learned a lot of greenhouse management. I got to take a wine class. Oh, Pretty yes. Wines cool. and vines. Yeah, wines, vines, and you. And you. That's right. Mm-hmm. That class is one of the most sought after classes. It is. There's always a wait list. But if you're a horticulture major, you skip the wait list. You skip the wait list. Yeah. Okay. So then how did you get in with NSA? Okay. With NSA, you know, I was a working college student. Yes, I had a yes. lot of jobs. And I finally kind of got tired of waiting tables. (laughs) And I went to my advisor and I I told him that I really wanted to get a job in horticulture and to to get a job where I could start to learn things. And he said, well, if you go down the hall, there's Bob Henriksen with the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. And he hires a greenhouse intern every year. Okay. So I did. And uh, he said, okay, when can you start? (laughs) And that was... That sounds like so Bob. cool. It was so it was so very much like Bob, but it was so cool because NSA grows from seed. Right. Um, we collect the seed, we store the seed, we sow it, we germinate it, we pot it up, and we sell it to people. We even have secret seed places. We do. That nobody knows. Yes. But that's a really unique view of horticulture um, because most places that sow seed don't sell to customers. Most mm-hmm. people that sell to customers order in complete plants. And then there's often an in-between grower that, that orders in plugs that, that someone else grew from seed, right. but aren't big enough for the customer yet, and they grow them up. So, so it's gone between like three or four people yes. sometimes. And then there's usually a seed company. Right. So really, with NSA, you get to see four sections of horticulture combined into one, and then... We worked in two different kinds of green, three different kinds of greenhouses. (laughs) So I got to apply that greenhouse management skill. I started interning for Bob in, I think, 2013. Okay. And I graduated December of 2016, and I really, really didn't want to leave. No. (laughs) So a way of just bringing people as long as possible. You do. Yeah. We worked to find out that we needed somebody to kind of be a go-between between between several grant projects and still help in the greenhouse. And so I was able to take that job and start to learn more about what NSA does working with the people as well as the plants. Yes. Yeah. So I've been grateful to have you. Oh, I love being here. So I've been here since technically January of 2017. In my position today. In this position, but much longer. Yes. (laughs) That's a long history, actually. That is. So you're coming, you're very close to 10 years. Oh, man. If you count, the university doesn't count your intern time, but yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for sharing your journey. Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Um, I love telling that story. It's kind of the dream. I, I do talk to a lot of horticulture students who will ask me advice on how to get a job. 
And I have a hard time giving it because I got the dream opportunity. And the path is different for everyone. And the path is different for everyone. I'm not doing production horticulture anymore. Other than occasionally assisting in the greenhouse, I do educational horticulture and outreach horticulture, which is different than what I thought I signed up for with my degree. Mm -hmm. And the horticulture industry is a difficult one to work in sometimes. It's seasonal. We have a long way to go with paying people. Yes. Um, we have a long way to go with, you know, benefits like sick leave and injury prevention and things. Yes. I mean, as who an are, industry. As an industry, yes. Mm-hmm. I think we do incredibly well here and we have the benefit of the university backing us right. up in that. Yeah. But for those of you listening who are interested in horticulture, it's a work of passion. It absolutely is. And we need you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but think through that career path. Yes. I can name quite a few nurseries who are looking for someone young and excited who yes. wants to come in and take over these businesses and companies. Yeah. And sometimes they're just not there right now. So, yeah, we could definitely use more folks out there ready to take this on and come up with ways to make it more sustainable for the people. I, I'm i going to tease a future episode. Nebraska has a bigger horticulture history than most people know. Yes. And last night my husband was like, you taught me so much about that. You need to talk about that. <laughs> so in the future. We will absolutely we will, cover that. Yes. That okay. sounds exciting. So that's a lot about me. Yes. So I want to hear about Hannah. Tell me about your growing up. Okay, I will. I am also a Nebraska native. I was not born in Lincoln. I was born in Holdridge. Ooh. So shout out to Holdridge. I know there's got to be somebody listening there. Uh, but then we moved pretty quickly into Lincoln. And so I grew up here. And I grew up um, in the middle of the city, mm-hmm. actually. So I had the a little bit opposite experience as you yeah i grew up on right at 10th and d oh that is the middle the very Mm -hmm. middle right we could walk downtown very easily and we often did to go to the farmer's market or whatever it might be like downtown i have very fond memories actually this will be if you don't know lincoln you can just skip this because it will (laughs) not make any sense to you but i have very fond memories of walking from my house with my dad down to the Laszlo's at the original location when it was very small. And we would get, we would share a plate of nachos and we'd walk home. Mm. (laughs) That's what we did. So um, shout out to Laszlo's. So we were the only house on the block that was a single family home. The rest were apartments, mostly homes that were turned into apartments. So very Mm -hmm. old 1900. Like, it's a very historic neighborhood. It's very historic, yes. And most of them had, before the historic society had protected them, had been kind of chopped up into mm-hmm. apartments. But that was great because I got to meet a lot of different people. But since we were the only single family house, we also had a big yard, yeah. which meant that all the kids in the neighborhood would come over and play in the yard. Oh, fun. And my parents turned that backyard and front yard into an oasis. So one of the things that we'll talk about a lot on this podcast is really getting rid of turf mm-hmm. and putting in plants and gardens and and how that can be more sustainable and I like to say that my parents were like way ahead of the curve yeah (laughs) because they did that I've seen pictures of your yard growing up and they were so growing up like our front our front yard was all plants just like 
sidewalk to sidewalk, plants, plants, all different types of things. I remember when I was a kid, my favorite was hens and chicks because oh, I thought yes. that was so cute. And they just multiply. And they just keep going and keep going. And um, and then, we, of course, we have a really big vegetable garden in the mm-hmm. back. So as you know, coming from a big family, maybe you guys didn't, but we had a big vegetable garden because that was a great way to feed your big right. family for cheap, right? And probably a lot of your neighborhood. We did, yes, yes. We gave away quite a few mm-hmm. vegetables and things like that, too. So every year, my sisters and I were able to um, pick a crop that we wanted to grow. One year for me, it was strawberries. Another year, it was carrots. Sometimes we did corn. Ooh. We did beans. We did all kinds of things. Yum. So that's... Oh, now you're making me think about the taste of fresh green beans. Oh, my gosh. Delicious. I don't know if the beans ever made it because <laughs> of bugs. Right. Which can be a problem. Well, growing vegetables in the city, bugs are a problem. It, 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 mm-hmm. it can be challenging. But... That was kind of my first introduction to You had some interesting wildlife living in your backyard, too, didn't you? We did. So we had a pond, too. My dad put in a pond that I would always try to fish in, (laughs) which was funny because we just had goldfish in it. Like, we would go to the pet store and buy the feeder goldfish and put it in. So I don't know what I thought I was going to catch in this pond, but it was a great time. I made my own fishing pole out of a stick and string. It wasn't going to work, but that's okay. It was fun. It was a good afternoon. But we also had a turtle back there. This was my turtle. So I had gotten this turtle. And then in the summer, I would put it out in the pond. And some winters, I couldn't find it. It had gone to ground already. Oh, cool. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was like, oh, I hope it makes it. And then the next spring, he would just pop right back up. Hello, I'm here. (laughs) And I don't know what. He would eat the fish, of course. Yeah. Why not? And just have a good old time. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my childhood. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. And um, it spurred me to go. I went to the Science Focus Program for high school, mm-hmm. otherwise known as Zoo School here in town. I'm very jealous of that. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it sounds like. I went to school at the zoo. Um, and I also worked at the zoo. So it was a wonderful high school experience. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I got great um, experience with my teachers who were just wonderful at what they did and really introduced me to a lot of varying scientific topics, including environmentalism and how that could be a career. Yeah. And for real. strangely enough, I came to the university. So I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln as well. I came as a pre-vet major. So I was going to be a veterinarian. Makes got, sense coming from zoo school. <laughs> that's right. I have, I, since I was like in third grade, I was like, I'm going to be a veterinarian. This is what I'm going to do. And I wanted to be a veterinarian at a zoo. Oh, that's yeah. That's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. It was my dream. And then I took Kim 109. <laughs> and then I lost my dream very quickly. They, it was not taken from me. I just realized if I'm going to struggle this much, through the basic chemistry class, I either need to really step it up or find something different. Mm -hmm. I chose find something different. Um, It was just going to be so much school. Yeah. uh, Like you said, with yours too. It was too much. And and higher education is fantastic, but I was too impatient to get to the work. (laughs) Too impatient. And frankly, like, 
wait, I'm going to be how much in debt yeah. by the time no. I get out of school? <laughs> After being in school for like 10 years, probably, to be a vet. Oh, that's too long. Uh-uh. That's too long. So I changed my major and I became um, HRTM, which is stands for Hospitality Restaurant Tourism Management. Okay. Um, it still exists here, but not what I did. So my focus was on parks and recreation management. Okay. So basically, then my hero was Leslie Nope. Was oh, like, yeah. I'm going <laughs> to beat Leslie Nope. And I think I have channeled her in many ways. I, th- I can see that. So I kind of went the exact opposite. And now instead of going really in-depth, I learned a lot. Or learned a little about a lot. Mm-hmm. So I took some plant classes, took um, herpetology. That class oh, cool. is also amazing if you're here at the university. And you, you better tell us what herpetology is. Oh, so herpetology is a class all about reptiles and amphibians here in Nebraska. And the best part about it was that you got to interact mm-hmm. with these animals. And if you haven't caught on mm-hmm. yet, I love animals. So that's what I wanted. And so I learned just a little bit about a lot of different things and really spent a lot of time like, oh, let's go walk in this place. Like, that's what we did. I learned how to put together hunting plans and land management Mm -hmm. plans and things like that. How to plan trails. Like, You learned how to be in a place. I learned how to be in a place. A skill. And I went from, like, super high stress to, like... Oh, we walked. That's what we did. And it is truly wonderful. So that's what I did. And then when I graduated, I went to work for the Lincoln YMCA. See, I always thought you were education because of that. No, 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 not education. I went to work for the Lincoln YMCA as a community learning center's director. So I learned a lot, a lot in that position in the five years I was there, which a community learning center's is actually a federal program. Oh, okay. And it is based in Title I schools. And the focus is on providing what we call wraparound services. So schools are there to provide you with an education. Mm -hmm. 21st century community learning centers are there to provide you with everything else. Gotcha. So whatever that specific community needs is what we do. So every learning center looks different. Mm -hmm. In mine, it was before and after school programming, homework help, getting coats and boots in the winter, food um, for the weekends, family nights throughout the school year so that families had a safe and inexpensive thing to do outside of the home. Yeah. Stuff like that. So we did a lot of varying things. Other places it can look like meals in the evenings. It can be financial literacy for families, parenting Mm -hmm. classes, all different types. Um, English as another language for parents who are there from who have immigrated. So it can be a lot of different things. So I learned how to interact with a variety of people in that position. Then I came to the Nebraska Forest Service as our conservation education coordinator. And the great thing about that was I still got to partner with community learning centers. Mm -hmm. Because one thing we know about environmentalism and especially environmental justice is that people in these lower income communities need environmentalism. Yeah. Right? They need more trees. They need more green space. They need access to green space. They need healthier air. Mm-hmm. All of these things that we know, and we could go on and on. Maybe we'll do an episode about that. I think we should. Yeah. You and I can go on and we on can and go on, on about why people need 
plants and just green things in general in their general vicinity. So I worked a lot with those community learning centers to do environmental education in the after-school programs, in the schools, in their summer programs, all of those good things. But I worked across the state in that position. Mm -hmm. So that was a lot of fun. And then here's the really fun part. Exciting news. The day that coronavirus was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization, <laughs> I took over as interim executive director of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Trial by fire. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I just came in and I was like, all right, what's happening, guys? Um, this was also one month almost exactly before our biggest fundraiser of the year. Yes, yes. And I have to give some context because, one, you should know that the Nebraska Forest Service and NSA are connected. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I was new to NSA and NSA was new to me. Um, we are one team. So I, I had a good idea. Now, there's <laughs> it's hard to grasp all the nuances of NSA, so there, were, there was definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Um, and the previous executive director, Christina, was still here. So I wasn't all alone. Christina was able to coach me through. She's still coaching me. Yes. So um, that's, those are two wonderful things. I don't know if I would have been able to do it without both of those things. I'm place. sure you would have, but Christina is a great mentor. The, yes. So that was really fun and stressful, <laughs> but super fun. I learned so much what we moved that plant sale online in about two weeks. We're talking 4,000 people through a two-day plant sale all online. 900 species of plants. We moved it online. It was amazing. So for the next year and a half, I was interim of NSA. And then after a year and a half, thankfully, through a successful search process, I was chosen to be permanent executive director. And I am so excited to be here. As you, I'm sure you can tell, it was not the path that I thought I would go on, but I am just so happy and I yeah. love what I do. I, mean, I love coming to work every day. We are so happy that we didn't scare you off with the interim time and that you chose to stay. I was kind of like, if I can make it through this, you can make gonna, it through anything. We're going to be great. It's yeah. going to be just fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So... That's a little bit about us and kind of how we came to NSA. So we'll go into how Bloombox came to be a program of NSA. My favorite. Yes. I'm not supposed to pick favorites. I'm not but. supposed to pick favorites either. I work on so many different programs a year, but it's my favorite. I, I have no problem saying that. So Bloombox came about in 2016. Um, actually, while well, I was still an intern, through we a put our interns to we work. We do. If you if you want a good experience with responsibility, come to us. Yes, <laughs> um, we have two new ones starting today. We do. I just met one of them this Yay. morning. Where yes, were Bloom we? Box. Bloombox. Bloom okay, so it came about through a partnership between NSA and the Department of Entomology mm -hmm. through a grant we got together called Community as Habitat, and that grant like uh, is typical of most of our programs was mainly geared toward big green space projects and communities, kind of helping communities do these big projects that need to happen but are a financial investment. Then it also had a deliverable written in to work with homeowners 
to educate them better on creating habitat in their community and then giving them some financial aid to do so. Right. And my former colleague, Rachel, was the brains behind this idea of, at the time, Stitch Fix was getting pretty popular. Right. So we're like, what if we could Stitch Fix plants? And so Bloombox was born. And the way it works is people who want to get one fill out our garden profile, Mm -hmm. which tells me all about their yard, their site conditions, but also about them, their experience levels, their goals, kind of how much their willingness (laughs) and and not so much willingness, but like their capacity for being in the garden. That's a better way to put it. Um, And then I take that and I select plants for them. I give them a sample layout and I give them what we call our bloom box book, which is, you know, covers everything from how to prepare your site to how to plant it and then um, what to do the next year when it comes back up. Mm. So that's that's kind of in a nutshell what bloom box is. Let let me to yeah. your horn. Okay, you go ahead. I'll take it. So Blue Box is a truly amazing program. And it's not just us saying it because we did we win did. an award this year from the American Public Garden Association. Uh, am I saying that right? You are. Yes, there's yep. a sign. It's behind your head. So I can <laughs> read it. And we won a program excellence award for the amazing work that Blue Box is doing. So you're doing amazing Thank work. You. Good job. I, it's pretty easy to do good work when you just love what you're doing. Yes. And when people are so receptive to it. I mean, this wasn't a hard sell. I turn people down every year Ugh, yeah. because, in all honesty, it's me and then people I beg and plead to help me pack boxes. <laughs> so, I'm getting real good at she's, putting yeah. plants in a Hannah box. is. We put my toddler to work last year oh, putting the shred so of paper cute. in. Um, it. It's it's a team effort, but it's also, you know, kind of on me to run the program as yeah. the, the paid person assigned to it. And yes. so we do turn people down. And I'm working really hard this year to kind of streamline things mm-hmm. and be able to accept more people. But one thing I won't budge on is the personableness. Absolutely. Um, you can't just take a generic garden and plant it in everybody's yard. No. And you can't leave a successful gardener behind without some connection to them Mm -hmm. and to the community of gardeners they want to be a part of. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's something we work really hard at. And even though, you know, every business should be scalable, I, that's, it's only scalable to the point where we can continue to build gardeners. Right. Yes. Mm. Benefits of being a nonprofit. I love it, though. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I do, too. So Hannah was one of our uh, first adopters before you even worked for NSA. I was, yes. I got a blue box very early on. Tell us about that. Okay. So easy. Filling out the form. At that time, it was a survey type mm-hmm. thing. It was so simple. Just checkbox. Yes, this, no, this, whatever it was. And then I just got to come and pick up a box of plants with the plan and all of that stuff. Now, I learned a lot. It was the very first garden I put in at my house when I bought a new house. And it was like my first time gardening as an adult Mm -hmm. in my own place. And I needed to read better. (laughs) (laughs) I needed to read that Bloombox book 
a little better and take it seriously. Let me tell you people, when she says put your plants two feet apart, you measure two feet and you put them two feet apart because I definitely had some plants crowd out because I was like, that looks like two feet. I am very bad at estimating (laughs) space, right? Like the space that I put it in is probably half the size of the space it needed to be in. But it was still very successful. My boombox garden, what, that was in 2017. Yep. So it's still going. It still it looks wonderful. It looks really good. It is the part of my garden that I get the most questions about. Mm-hmm. When people come over, they want to know, what's this? What's that? And the the showpiece of my boombox garden is my mountain mint. Yes. Oh, I love mountain mint. If you don't have it, oh. you need it. If it grows in your area, it's wonderful. Because it smells like mint and it tastes Mm -hmm. like mint, but it doesn't spread like mint. Well, it's so mint, like you're thinking of spearmint. Right. The scientific name for that is mentha. Mm -hmm. And for mountain mint, it's still, you know, it's a lighter mint smell, but it's got a little mintiness to it and you can eat it. Mm -hmm. Um, But its scientific name is pycnanthemum. So they are different plants and they do behave differently. Right. And there's a, so that's the genus and there's a species of that. So a different type. Uh, native to almost all of the United States. Yes. And I, so I believe I have short tooth. Is that Probably right? Virginia at that Vir- time. Okay. I think I did a lot of Virginia. Yeah. Either way, it is a pollinator super highway. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Um, always buzzing with something throughout the entire growing season. And it has beautiful little flowers. Uh. And I just love it. And it grows so much that... You don't have to worry about weeds. Right. There's never any weeds <laughs> under that thing because it just kind of fills the space beautifully. Um, one fun story I have about it. Is this the one with your dog? No, but okay. I can I tell, that tell that story. story. <laughs> um, no. So about a year into my boombox garden, and then at the same time, I did put in a little, uh, I don't want to call it a rain garden, but it's at the bottom of a downspout. Anyways, my husband comes out of the house one day and just goes, I think there's a lot more butterflies this year. (laughs) I was like, dude, it's the plants. That's why there's more butterflies. He just was like, I think more butterflies just existed this year. (laughs) So it's, yeah, that was the fun part. It was like, yeah, there's some pollinator populations that will change, fluctuate, of course, like on any population. But no, it's the plants. They brought them in and now... No matter what season it is, there's always something. If in our you garden. build it, they will come. That's right. Gotta throw my Iowa reference in there. Yes, there you go. Oh, I love it. So, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, I do have a giant dog um, by most people's. I want a bigger dog. A lovable dog. Very lovable. He um, but he is 75 pounds of pure destruction <laughs> when it comes to the garden yep. and some couches. Um So he likes to roll in the mountain mint, Mm -hmm. which is okay because then he comes in and he smells like mint, which if you have a dog, you know that you would probably prefer them to smell like mint to the other things that could roll in. (laughs) Um, And the mint just pops right back up. Yeah, yeah, it's no problem. No problem. And it, I, I'm i guessing that he really likes how cool it feels in the yes, summer. Yes, yes. Yeah. Now, what he likes the most is when I put in a new garden bed. Oh, yeah. Because then it's like fresh cold, soil. fresh mm-hmm. soil. Um, and so we can talk at some point about what I do to protect my baby plants I from him. I think that's on my episode list yes. because I get a lot of questions about some of them are deer. 
yes. rabbit. I can tell you that there's no such thing as a deer-proof plant. Uh-huh. I yeah. have a pet rabbit, and I regularly feed her things just to see. People <laughs> tell me, oh, this is rabbit-proof. She'll eat it every time. Absolutely. But we can do a lot to protect our gardens. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of us have friends that we want to have in our yards, yes. like our dogs and cats. And we want safe plants for them. And then we also want the plants to be safe from them. <laughs> yes. That yeah. can be a challenge. But yeah. I'm, I'm getting there on those. So yeah. we'll be happy to talk about that as well. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love Hannah's story because that was, you had been at the Forest Service for a little bit when you got that bloom box? Well, no, a, you were pretty new. About a year, yeah. maybe less. So she's a great example of a really new gardener. And then, like, not only did she stick with Bloombox, she became our executive director. So that's... I played the long game. But Bloombox has become, you know, it it originated from that one partnership based on that one grant. Mm -hmm. But it's become one of my favorite programs because of the the complete reach it has. Uh, Yes. I mean, I... I can only go to so many communities with big money grants to put in big green spaces. You know, they take a lot of work. There's only so many of them we can do in a year. Mm -hmm. Um, It has to be the right town with the right people to make everything work. Well, and for our grants, people have to raise the other half of the funds. It has to be matched. Which is not doable for every community. But a bloom box is around $125. Mm -hmm. Um, And quite often I have grant money to help offset that too. And so it's so accessible financially to people. And then I work so hard to make it, you know, informationably accessible. That's my whole goal with Bloombox is these are really big ideas. And I I hear so often that people want to garden or they want to be more sustainable. But the information overwhelm is real. It's so real. And if you dive into Pinterest or Instagram first, you'll probably run the other (laughs) way. So I want to be the opposite of that. Start with us. We'll ease you in. Yes, we'll get you to Pinterest. Maybe not because in all honesty, Habitat is rarely Pinterestable. That's true. So it's just, it's so, it's been my way to reach people that I never thought I had a way to reach. Mm Mm-hmm. And I hear that coming back from the people that we've helped. Yes. So. Yeah. I I think it has been a lot of people's introduction mm-hmm. to how to garden with the environment in mind. Yes. Which is really what our focus is of a, of a lot of what NSA does. Right. But Bloombox takes it and puts it in this like really digestible way. Yes. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, while we're, you know, a lot of people come to me because they love the bees and butterflies. Of course. Or um, they love the environment or they know that they need to love the environment <laughs> and they don't quite yet. But in a lot of ways, Bloombox puts the people back in the landscape yes. too. Because some of our really traditional landscapes that are on Pinterest and Instagram look really great there with oh a gosh. with a nice Instagram filter. Beautiful. And... But what you don't see is that sign that says, please keep out. Yes. And you're like, no, gardens and yards and environments are places to be. To be, Yeah. And so we put you back into the garden. Yeah. Um, you don't just hire the mowing guy and the trimming guy to come by. We want you to be there too. It's yes. not just, you know, habitat where we put a fence around it and leave it for the bees. Mm-hmm. Um, this is our home too. Yes. And we can all, 
coexist together. That's so sweet. Okay, well, that got pretty deep. So let's wrap up with something light. Okay. Highlight a plant for me. Uh, We can't ask your favorite plant because we're plant people. They're all our favorite. They're all our favorite. So just highlight one for me that that has been beautiful in your week or that you're working on or you're excited to grow. This week. Wow. Well, I... I realized the other day that I needed to check in on my Hoya plant. Oh, yeah. Um, So it is a plant that we used to hang in my office. It's a hanging plant. And I took it home when we went to work from home at the beginning of the pandemic. And then it bloomed, like, just constantly. So I said, okay, it needs to stay here. It likes it here better. But lately, I haven't been checking in on it because I'm not working from home anymore. Right. And so I decided... Okay, I need to check on it <laughs> and see how it's doing. And it's not blooming again. And so I think I need to do a little bit of work on, yeah. on my Hoya. But I think he just needs some water. Some love. And, you know, Hoyas, they don't like to be repotted. Right. So I'll just leave it. Maybe put do a little bit. Do they fertilize? Bit of, maybe. Yeah. I haven't. So I think probably, especially with as much as it's bloomed. Right. In the That's past year. probably the reason I'm so bad at houseplants is because they want fertilizer. Right. And I'm like, shouldn't you be getting that from the soil? I shouldn't have to give you that. <laughs> but if you only have this soil for your whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, so you need a little food. <laughs> my lazy trick to her fertilizing is I just put more soil on top. Oh, just refresh it. That's <laughs> yeah. not bad. Especially if you get like the potting soil that yes. comes with the slow release fertilizer. And that's it. what I do. And I just put it on top and I mm. water it. I can that, do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a plant that I is do. giving you joy or maybe that needs checked in? Um, it's going to be both. So okay. I, you guys will learn throughout this podcast. I love tea. Yes. I love it above all other beverage, and I will drink it all the time. And she's talking about, like, legit tea. Yes. Not, like, Lipton. No shade to Lipton. No, 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 no. But, like, not the tea bag. No. No, nothing in a tea bag. It's loose leaf. I go to Omaha to a tea store and get it. Uh, my favorite is anything Japanese green. Yes. But really, anything that comes from... Camellia sinensis is the plant that tea <laughs> comes from. Black, green, white, not herbal. That's a separate thing. Yes. Um, any, and I'll drink all of them. But I finally got a tea plant. Yes. I'm so excited about it. I've wanted one forever. But um, importing something with soil from Asia is a real nightmare. <laughs> and I finally found somebody in South Carolina I could order from. Uh, uh-huh. I was given the tip by a bloom box person who knew I loved of tea. Of course, building that community. Yep. It's here in the office. It's here so in the we're office. Looking at it. Yes. It was living in my sunroom. But it was not happy there. It, no. The high today is 18, and tomorrow's yes. colder. And yes. it just it just was not loving it. And my sunroom gets a lot of hot sun. So it goes from, like, hot sun in the daytime to cold, to cold at night. Mm-hmm. So I brought it to the office. It's lost a few leaves. Um, but on the plus side, it has new buds. It has new buds. And I have a two-year-old who mm. this morning when I was taking it out to the car, some leaves fell off, and he tried to put them back on for me. Of course. Which was really sweet, <laughs> but not really how plants work. <laughs> so I brought it to the office to nurse along because 
my houseplants seem to do better in the office. Yeah, well, we're here. We're here. <laughs> I mean, I spend a lot of time here, and I, I actually have a reminder on my calendar right. to water every Wednesday. Well, and frankly, we have access to things. So we're yes. like, oh, uh, this plant needs a little something. I need a little more soil. I'll just go to the greenhouse and get a scoop. Right. Or in my case, hey, Bob, what's <laughs> wrong with this plant? Yeah. And sometimes he can help me. Yeah, I don't know. I Houseplants are not my forte, but I love them, and I keep buying them. Well, as plant people, we do want plants around us all the we time. We do. I round. need them around me. So in Nebraska, that means some office plants and some yes. house plants. I think you'll learn, listeners, that uh, we are some of the only people who will refer to plants as cute. Oh, there's some very cute plants. Definitely cute. Yeah. It's a little tufty right now, but it's mm-hmm. going to get there. Maybe we could post a photo. Oh, we should. Yes, I will. Of your tea And plants. if anyone has grown one and has advice for yes. me, I would love it. Um, mm-hmm. I I haven't decided yet if I'll ever try to make tea out of it. It came with directions for how to um, like dry it, dry it properly, yeah. but um, I kind of just like it. Mm-hmm. And if it's going to lose leaves this much on its own, I probably shouldn't yeah. pick any. <laughs> Does it smell? No. Oh, no. It, it doesn't. doesn't. The the bloom boxer who gave me the hint, she showed me one on her porch that was blooming. Ooh. And so maybe when it blooms, it will smell. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I can't wait. I we know. will share updates we on will. the tea plant. On the tea plant. And maybe it needs a name. So you guys can help me name it. I do name plant. Well, thank you for listening. Yes. Um, thank you so much for joining us again. We hope to see you or hear you. I guess you'll hear us. You'll hear us. Growing with bloombox at gmail.com is our email. So if you've got questions, comments, anything, we're brand new podcasters. Yes. So please send them our way and especially your questions about plants. Yes. We would love to do our best to answer them. If we can't answer it, we have other people. Right. We'll try to track down that answer. And your questions will help direct us to what you need to know because. We've got plenty of ideas. We can talk about information for a long time. But it, your questions will help direct us to the things that you actually want to know. Right. Yes. Instead of just our rambling about all mm-hmm. things plants and soil. Yes. Sometimes dirt, but mostly soil. <laughs> so, Sarah, what's our next episode? Our next episode is going to be how to start a new garden bed. Yay. New beginnings. New beginnings. We're, we're, it doesn't seem like it, but spring is coming. Oh. I'm already there. We're I'm, talking about summer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is the time of year that we work on all of our calendars and mm-hmm. plans for spring. So we get to kind of feel it a little earlier than everybody else. Yes. Yes. So. Bloombox Growing Deeper in the Bloombox program is a program of Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Thank you for listening.